Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My little thing? No, it's not. It, oh, you've got much bigger fish to fry, you know. Oh, I'm, but then you just learn to make, you know, take up more space. Because as soon as you start to take up more space, people start to notice you more. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Balancing Acts. In this conversation, I talk to writers Bell Knight and Claire Hoey. Hello, I'm Steve Whiteley and welcome to Balancing Acts, a series of conversations with an array of creatives. We talk about their journey, the struggles they faced whilst progressing their career, strategies they use to unlock their creativity, how they balance their career with their personal lives, what impact this has had on their mental health and lots more. Bell and Claire are a writing duo, or writing partnership, or writing tag team. You get the idea. They write scripts together. Like some of the greats, a lot of the greats, you know. They find a kindred spirit and uh, they, they realise they are the one, something we talk about in this episode, and they hit it off. And together they create magic, which is exactly what Bell and Claire seem to be doing. They kicked off their career in 2018 writing and performing their debut Edinburgh Fringe play, It's Not Cute Anymore, which went on to be optioned as a TV show. And fast forward to now, and they currently have six original TV shows and a podcast in development with the likes of Big Talk, Rough Cut and BBC Studios. And they're also currently writing their first feature film for Netflix, which is due to shoot in summer 2022. So needless to say, I was very curious to chat with them to find out how they go about writing as a partnership and how they've managed to create such success in such a short period of time. I found what they had to say, their their attitudes towards the industry and how they go about doing their thing and creating opportunities very inspiring. And remember, if you do like this episode, then please do rate and review us on Apple. And if you haven't done already, subscribe, tell your friends, anyone that you think might be interested in this podcast, then uh, yeah, pass it on. Do your good deed for the day. So without further ado over to Belle and Claire. Welcome, both of you. Do you live near each other? You have to travel far to be in the same room for this conversation? I cycle here um, every day. Um, from Walthamstow. From Walthamstow. To Stoke Newington. Yeah, so it's, it's about, but it's quite a nice cycle, 35 minutes. Okay. It gets me 
every morning. Claire, how did you win that one? Yeah. Why, why, why aren't we doing this at yours? And why, why are you cycling every day? Because I have a four-month-old baby and she oh. is very vocal at the moment. And so I thought okay. that she did not need... I mean, she's desperate to make her podcast debut, but I <laughs> thought this was not... She hasn't earned it. So... Um, and she's very, yeah, she's very vocal. So <laughs> I come to Claire's for a bit of peace and quiet and it's just so much easier to focus and, you know, when there's not a screaming baby around. She's, she's also distractingly cute. So if I'm there, I'm kind of <laughs> yes. playing with her as opposed yeah. to working. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. We, I've actually had a guest, a previous guest on the podcast, Athena, who's a, a comedian and a writer, and mm. she was absolute badass. She was breastfeeding whilst conducting the interview. I mean, oh. obviously that was not on screen, However, yeah. it was she was able to she was doing both at the same time, and I was uh, I was a bit blown away by that. I have to say, I think I yeah. saw her um, Edinburgh show because I listened to that episode because I saw her Edinburgh show, and she's yeah, pregnant. pregnant at the time. Yeah. yeah, yes, she's she's great. Okay, so we're at yours, Claire. Um, <laughs> let's. Okay, I want to start things back uh, early yeah. doors in terms of how you both connected. How did it, how did it first arise? Were you, were you friends first and then you kind of realised, oh, we have this creative connection of sorts? We met at the Soho Theatre Young Writers Company. Okay. So it was, we were friends in a professional world, <laughs> yeah. if that makes sense. We met on the context of both knowing we wanted to write. But we always say we hate name-checking that, that group because we right. think it wasn't particularly useful for us. Right. Everyone there was very quite po-faced and they were very into making sort of serious theatre about, you know, societal issues. And Claire and I just wanted to use theatre as like a <laughs> stepping stone. We were like, it's Hollywood or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and we don't want to be, we don't want to be scrabbling around in theatre. But, you know, it was an amazing place to meet it, it did the job as in like we yeah, met each other. It did its yeah, job. We shouldn't drag it because it did, but yeah. here we are. But yeah. um, I think, yeah, it wasn't, it's not indicative of what we wanted to do. So it's funny that we met in that yeah. place. Um, right. Yeah. I think that's why we connected because we were the two people in the class who didn't, were yeah. trying to, yeah, step over theatre yeah. in a really yeah. arrogant way. Sure. <laughs> so no one wanted to work with us other than yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. And were you both writing ind individually for a long period of time prior to meeting? I wasn't, no, I'd written a couple of short things. Like I was always trying at that stage. It was, you know, you were always kind of applying for these small theatre competitions and yeah. you'd always have to submit, you know, the first 10 pages. Yeah. And that's, you know, I had like five different things or different ideas that were just 10 pages long, you know, in the hopes of getting onto like the Young Lyric Company or Soho Young Writers Company. And so, no. I hadn't. I think Claire, you'd done a bit more. No, you? I had. I did journalism at uni um, in Australia, and I did like a few screenwriting electives just for fun, really. But I didn't. Okay. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't have any kind of background in it. And the Soho thing was the first thing I'd written and submitted to anything in London, and we got selected just yeah off a couple of sample scenes, I think. Yeah, and that was all I'd ever written. Okay, so you meet, you hit it off. And then how, what's the next steps in terms of you going from that to writing your Edinburgh Fringe show, It's Not Cute Anymore? Yeah. Um, well, oh. we started to write together outside of the group. Okay. Um, and we started to write TV that, you know, we were sending around these scripts <laughs> to absolutely everyone who had completely unsolicited. Okay. Um, okay. And we just... Were you getting responses from that? 
no no responses whatsoever but what was really good was that we developed a shorthand we developed our sense of humor we just found that we clicked I suppose um and then yeah what happened after that we I we both got jobs Jobs. so I got a job at the Tate I was in the design studio and it was actually a really good job and in another Mm. life probably someone's dream job just not mine Mm. um Mm. but it was, yes, yeah, so we we're both working full time. And I think we just got to a point where we were like, we either have to do this now or we'll never do it. And we just started, came up with this idea for a show, which was about whether you pursue your dreams of creativity or you settle for a, a nine to five job and you have the fulfillment of being able to afford a life that's nice and you can okay. go on holidays and you yeah. don't have the stress and the agony. So it was basically what we were feeling through yeah, at, the time. at the time. Yeah. Yeah, so we so wrote it's quite that. therapeutic in a sense. Yeah, yeah, I think it was. I think we would. It was just a time of a lot of risk, which yeah. I think was quite exciting at the time, um, because it just felt like you know how we don't know how long we'll be able to sustain being artists and creative yeah. without money jobs. Um, but it just turned out it worked out well, didn't it? And I think the the issue was that we were writing, the things we were writing together, we'd always wait for there to be a competition or something. Mm. And then we'd tailor something around like that grant or that that mm. thing. So we would write these little things. We'd send them off to, you know, Channel 4 Screenwriting or whatever it was, BBC Writers Room, get rejected mm. <laughs> and then be like, well, fuck, fuck our lives. We're never going to mm. make it. And then, so we thought, this is the first thing we were like, we're going to write and put it on ourselves. Yeah. And I think the reason we hadn't done that was because we both really needed to be approved yeah. by someone else before we felt we could share it. So yeah. if we'd have got chosen for one of these script writing things, we were like, well, then it's good and then we can share it. But until then, we're not going to actually put it out. So it was kind of a mad way of doing it. We're like, people can see our writing for the first time on BBC or not at all. Right. <laughs> you know, like we didn't, we just would, I think we're both a bit embarrassed about scratch nights or putting our own stuff on. I think also we, yeah, as Claire said, we were very enthralled to these gatekeepers of the industry Yeah, and we yeah. felt very, you know, we needed that tick. And then it just felt pretty punk to be like, fuck it. No, we're going to just do it ourselves and pour all of our money into this probably yeah. sinking ship who knows but so we, we just got so much out of it yeah put it on at a pub theater for one night and then theater 503 came along to that because we invited them and it was a week at 503 and then from that we invited underbelly to the 503 run and then it went to underbelly so yeah wow that's that's uh, a pretty impressive uh, run of events and did you have any agents or representation at that time were you doing this all yourself all of our, all ourselves, we produced it, you know, and everything, it felt very, very, um, not grassroots, it's not the right word, but just like... DIY. DIY, that's yeah. it. Yeah. Really, really DIY. And we were inviting agents all the time. Um, and a lot of them, you know, with, and the amount of rejection, we, we, we actually said to ourselves, like, let's just aim for a hundred rejections because then it uh, feels like a positive thing, even if someone says, sorry, I'm not coming tonight or, okay. you know, no. That's a great way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we actually, with the fight, with the the one night we did, a, it was a pub in East London called Rosemary Branch and we're there for one night and we emailed hundreds of production companies and agents for that one night. Mm. Um, and we made a really good trailer as well. Um, my partner is a filmmaker. He can, so we had access to kind of cameras. So we used that. So we were like, and we 
envisioned this play really as kind of a taster of we want this to be a TV show. This is essentially mm. a pilot on stage. So we made so a trailer. So you knew that right of, from the off. That yeah, was, yeah, was the end goal. We had yeah. tickets. We were like, yeah, yeah. This, is, this is going on the yeah. big screen. Yeah. Um, and we sent that trailer out to people, which I think was a way of catching attention because I think they probably get invited to a lot of one night at a pub theatre. Yeah. But because yeah. we had a visual thing they could watch, I think, because we did get a couple of production companies down to that first night. So we had mm. some quite bit, like I think Tiger Aspect came to mm. that one and a couple of other, and a production company that ended up optioning the play for TV was at that first night pub theatre and they okay. liked it. And he was, and the was guy just from you sending them an email. That was yeah. just us sending them an email was, to come to a pub theatre show. The okay. number of, you know, these, we also realised just how difficult it is to get people down because not, yeah. they just won't, won't list their emails on the website. So yeah. not only were we, <laughs> We would, we'd be, we would be guessing people's emails based on the company they worked for. And every time we got a mail undelivered, we'd be like, oh, fuck. Okay, we've guessed it wrong. You know, but we yeah. would, the, the, just the lengths we would go to to try and find. And I would recommend people. that. It's not yeah. hard. It's either, you know, S. Whiteley, Steve.w, yeah. SW. Like, just try all the combinations. You'll, yeah. you'll unlock it. Like, no yeah. one has crazy names yeah. as their email, you know. Yeah. And now there's also yeah. Zoom info. I think you can find loads of emails on there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, but yeah, I did, I did exactly the same thing. And it's fun, isn't yeah. it? It's like a little guessing game, isn't it? Oh, not that yeah. one. Okay, let's try again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's really embarrassing if you leave the chain of all the failed attempts, though, and the final <laughs> yes. one goes through. Yeah, <laughs> delete the chain. <laughs> yeah. So, what was the experience like uh, that that Edinburgh Fringe experience? Because you, you hadn't come from a performance background. No. And so now you've dived in the deep end where you've written, created, producer and show, and you're starring it. I think you're playing, is it four characters? Yeah. yeah. Four yeah. characters. Yeah. It's a lot to take yeah. on. Obviously, there was excitement because you had interest and, and the show was a success. But was there highs and lows throughout that month for you both? I would describe Edinburgh as probably the low point yeah. in our friendship and career. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you're living together life. as well. Maybe life. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It's intense. it was just... It was at a bad, we, we just, you know, it was at a bad time. It was a comedy and it was on at 1.20 p.m. And we were after Paddington the Bear. So you can imagine <laughs> you know, the hordes of people having come to see the bear and then the trickle of people coming to see us, which was humiliating. But it was just, it's really, really hard. It was really mm-hmm. hard, I yeah. think. We weren't... Yeah. Um, we hadn't it, performed. Yeah. Like, we, we just were really thin. I was very thin-skinned. And there, there are some jokes in there that work a bit on the line. And if I couldn't deal with telling a joke and looking at the face of the person in the front row, just roll their eyes and just whisper, God, that's fucking shit to that. You could hear it as well because it's right there. I, I, just, I just died and I couldn't deal with it. I died on stage. I couldn't deal with the rejection. I'd get angry. <laughs> I'd, I'd often get angry. I remember there's one show I oh, did where there was a guy on his phone literally from the start to the finish. And I was doing, um, it was a comedy rap musical and there was some uh, intricate, read not not intricate at all, uh, dance move. And uh, I did some extra elaboration in an attempt to get his attention. I was essentially waving my arms in front of him and he did not look up once. And it was devastating. Oh, <laughs> it was- it's just, you were before, you do kind of, you've done stand up and stuff, haven't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. So you yeah. have that, I think I, that is mine. You know, people have the nightmare about being naked on stage. Mine's yeah. being doing stand-up that's right like most okay terrifying thing so I, I yeah I think you've probably built up a bit of a thick hide. skin yeah <laughs> hide yeah but it's just I think it's that combination when you're you're out there every day 
you know, you're doing that same show every single day. I think you're probably more sensitive to certain reactions than you would be if it was maybe a one-off. But particularly, as you said, if you're in that pressure cooker where you both are living together, you're working yeah. together. So you, yeah. you touched upon it, affect, a low point in your relationship. How, how did that transpire? I, I think we both placed a lot of pressure on the actual, on the play, because we poured all our money into it. We had just, I was toying with leaving my job. Claire, yeah. we I couldn't, think, yeah, we were working, we're working in evenings and weekends. So evenings and okay. weekends, and we were living together at the oh, time. Sorry, what was your job, Belle? So I was a chef at a cafe, chef is probably, <laughs> <laughs> probably a bit yeah. of a grandiose made term. I made, I was like food preparer. Okay. Um, <laughs> in a cafe. Yeah. And, it was just it was just a scary time because it was the first time that I was going to leave the safety net of a money job. Um, and yeah, I think it was just also I lost my voice in Edinburgh and, you know, being ill because, you know, if you're Everyone not a trained Ill. performer, you've never performed. Yeah, we, it's crazy. We had no mates up there either. Like yeah. we didn't know we weren't from the stand up. So we didn't know yeah. anyone. So yeah. there was no one to, to kind of commiserate with but each other. Yeah. Mm. And it was Lonely. kind of. Yeah. And you wanted to bitch about the other one, but there was no one to bitch yeah. to. Yeah. It's yeah. Just, it's just, when it's not going well, you can be like, you know, what, what about you and your line that you forgot? And then it's just yeah. this nasty duo turning on each other. But honestly, nothing makes us laugh more yeah. looking back because it was just such a shit show and so embarrassing and so mm. many lows. Mm. <laughs> was, we, printed all, we printed all this merch. Like we printed about, I don't know. We were like, we're going to make merch. It's going to go absolutely stratospheric. <laughs> It will be sold out. And I was like, Claire, we're gonna you're gonna have to it was order like, more merch. Hundreds of t-shirts <laughs> we printed with like slogan hit slogans, we assumed, from our show. And then it got to the last day, we're literally throwing them at people <laughs> in, in Underbelly. We're just down in the lobby, just like, here, do you like take them, take them, we can't take them with us. And we're just throwing hundreds of t-shirts away because obviously no one came to our show. So I think the expectation that we yes. had and then the reality is responsible. Yes. How much we had a bad time. If yeah. we had slightly lower expectation. Yes. Yeah. Um, but then yeah. I feel like the the flip side to that is there's a certain um, beauty in the naivety of not knowing. You know, if you if you knew how hard it was going to be, you, you probably wouldn't have done it. No. No. no definitely not. not. And yeah. I, I I think I since I've kind of listened to a few people talk about Edinburgh, and I think the first show for everyone is that baptism of fire where yeah. you go and realize that no one gives a shit if you live mm. or die essentially yeah. and it's just you yeah it's never that good it's never the dream run you don't get the the award at the end that you think mm. you're gonna get well some people do which is yes. <laughs> some people do claire some people do but, it's but, one us. but you <laughs> weren't i mean you weren't far off i mean there's awards people can win awards and then nothing might arise from that and then yeah. other people might not win awards but then they get their show option which is what happened with you yeah. Well, we got our show optioned. We got our show optioned at five oh three. So we literally yeah. got right. nothing. We talked about it quite a bit. Tried to find what we got out of Edinburgh for us. Nothing. But yeah. I see because you got the show option before the yeah, run before, started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But we did. We 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 learned. It toughened us up a little bit. We yeah. learned what yeah. not to do eventually right. in our relationship and yeah. lives. Yeah. So yeah. And um, but what about the aspect of performing? Because you've since gone on to solely focus on writing mm -hmm. did you come out of that experience thinking actually no you know what the performing thing isn't for us we'd just rather write or were you kind of like we'll perform if we write parts for ourselves that we think we're suitable for lack of bloody interests <laughs> right to be 
be honest. Um, no, but I think we felt, we've always said we want to work, we want to perform in our own stuff. We yeah. do. Mm. But I think it's just hard to, when, when you're writing, you can just write every day and and generate your own work. Whereas with acting, you've really got to rely on other people and other, you know, outside opportunities. So I think Claire and I just want to focus on writing the best possible scripts mm-hmm. and then see further down the line how we feel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think yeah. that sounds uh, uh, yeah. a wise approach to take. Yeah. How do you structure your days now as as a writing duo? We're really, we used to be quite inflexible, as in we would treat it like a nine-to-five job. Really? Um, yeah, but since I've had my baby, we've, and since we've actually had a bit of success in terms of, you know, now we have contracts that pay us and yeah. we can kind of exhale a little bit now. Yeah. Um, we've become more flexible and we're actually, actually we're producing the same amount of work, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. That's I interesting. Think we we yeah. um, used to do about, you know, 10 a.m. till 5 p.m. every day. This is after we'd left our jobs and had the contracts that were paying for us and mm-hmm. we'd just sit and we'd write in the same room. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the pandemic happened and then we became Zoom and then we realised we, we, couldn't, we couldn't stare at the screen anymore. So we hit each other's faces and we just became audio calls. And now, so it's just like slowly become more and more able to work separately, which is good because, you know, we both want to be able to work wherever we want to be able to work. Mm -hmm. So it's been, yeah, good for us in that way to realize what we can do. And how do you divvy up the work between you both? We pretty much do everything together. I know there are some writing partnerships who, you know, I'll take this scene, you take this scene and then we'll, edit together um but i think especially with comedy we for want of a better word riff off each other and kind of if you know if something is funny it's it's hard to sometimes find the funny on your own um so especially with comedy we like to do that sort of stuff together yeah i think we write everything you know do a beat sheet together and then we'll do the script together and then once we've written it we'll go away and read it and edit it separately and then come back and kind of discuss notes and thoughts at that point okay. mm. but because we're I think for yeah. us we never really understood how it works because if you're I guess a lot of the stuff we do is intricately plotted as well so if mm. you separate then someone is doing something that doesn't meet, meet up so you come back mm. and you've gone in different directions so right. we like to get it all sort of down and then we can separate and kind of mm-hmm. improve it on our mm-hmm. own yeah mm-hmm. and a lot right. of it is like world building you know like if you yeah. build a world you've yeah we complement each other in that way I think so we yeah we like to do that together yeah, I mean that's that's so great. I mean, I think a lot of people listening, like you guys, have got you've got the dream. You know, you found if mm-hmm. you found each other, you found the one. It's yeah. so hard to find the yeah. one. Yeah. Oh my god, it is. It yeah. really is. It, and I've yeah. been I've written something on my own now since Bell's had the baby. Mm. I wrote a script on my own, and it was a fucking nightmare. It was horrible to sit there. You just you don't realize how much comes from just being able to say, is this shit? And then they go, no, it's good. Because yeah. if I have a thought, is this working? And then no one's there to say yes or no, I just freeze. And I'm like, okay, it's not working, but I don't, or is it? And then I'll, you just start to, for me, I just start to question and question and question. But you, having someone there just immediately, I think makes it 50% better straight away because You've got an things get vetted out, things get, and it's just so good. So yeah, we, we know we're very lucky to have 
each other. <laughs> and, and you've got different experiences and perspectives, you know, you've got different yeah, backgrounds. Yeah. And then I think, you know, that clearly came to fruition um, when I obviously read your script, uh, Delilah Must Die, because you both had different backgrounds. Um, I think about you were at girls' school, and and so you had you'd had these different experiences, and you sort of brought brought it together in this melting pot, and then that's what created this tone of voice and story. Yeah, yeah. I think we're both quite. We don't like anything where people hug and learn. We're very much, you know, let's spear stuff, let's stay on the sharp side of things. Yeah, um, kind of nastier. Yeah, the, some people have said acerbic and caustic. Caustic words um, have been used, and it's not even. We don't think it's that harsh. I think it's just it's no. There's not much earnestness, um, mm. and yeah, we don't. Yeah, tend to go in for that. So we have a really similar sense sensibility, and then we have very different because Belle, you know, went to the girl's school in here and she grew up in Hong Kong and I'm from Australia from, yeah, very small town. Yes. So we just have very different life perspectives, but really similar references and mm. things. So it's a nice kind of, yeah, match. What are your, um, in terms of your favourite TV shows, are they, are they similar in terms of what you're both into and are, are they, do they reflect your sensibilities and tone in terms of your writing? Yeah, definitely. I think the thing that we liked most recently was this country yeah um, with daisy may cooper and yeah. charlie cooper um what else i think we bonded one of the first things yeah. was um kath and kim so yeah. the it's the australian it's um two women it's amazing and it's i mean bell has a lot of australian references i don't know where she gets them from but she keeps coming out with them but yeah that was um that's an incredible show that we love and then things like the comeback um, Lisa Kudrow, Michael Patrick King, and that's they've. She's Lisa Kudrow created this comedy character called Val Cherish, who we just think is. If we could write a Val Cherish, we'd be very happy. Mm. But so we have, yeah, they they tend to be the same mm. references mm. to comedy and things, and mm-hmm. then slightly different for drama, maybe, but not really. I think Belle's got a yeah, sort of. I don't know. <laughs> like like remains of the day sort of thing yes yes and you're yeah, I don't yeah. know what I have that you don't something rubbish <laughs> no I don't know I don't know I think yeah it's mo- mostly the comedy and we loved I mean it's so kind of I don't know but we I remember being in Soho theatre and Claire's background at the time was um, Joanna Lumley and I remember yeah. her the phone lighting up and it was literally like one of those moments where I was like oh <gasps> Oh my god! Thing, you know, yeah, the, the light went off. And like, she, yeah, and I, yeah, it was. I remember that moment so clearly, and it's so funny because I thought it was your phone background. I oh. think it was your phone background. Oh, maybe I lit up at my yeah. own phone background. <laughs> 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 you, don't you don't remember it at all. Maybe it was your back, It's definitely your background. Brilliant. Wow. Absolutely your background. Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It's a great oh, story, like, though. Do you know how I know? Because the quality was terrible. And Belle was like, <laughs> Belle pixelated. Was a troglodyte. She's a middle-aged mum, like, in disguise. <laughs> because she has no idea how to put it. And it was this really, like, oversaturated, blurry photo of Joanna Lumley. And, there was, and I've seen the same one, like, reproduced in, like, high quality, as high quality as you like. But, yeah. Oh, I'm the same. I'm a complete technophobe. Yesterday, I was... Uh, I just, my downloads were open, the downloads file, and and Meg, my girlfriend, she she walked past my screen. She's like, "Do you not delete your download files at the end of every day?" I was like, "No, I haven't deleted them ever." Oh, you meant to? Are you meant to? I don't know. Well, apparently, it increases the speed. Screen. It increases the speed of the the laptop. Wow. <laughs> 
Yeah. Oh, you learn something new every day. There you go. Okay, great. I'm I'm glad we're we're no. in agreement. Oh, no, on this. We're all not in agreement, we're just yeah. I think that's probably generally as a rule of thumb a creative thing. You know? Mm. Creative types. Yeah. Sort of yeah. yeah, kind of we'll just continue and see what happens. When that's the computer nice. breaks down, it breaks down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do um, you do you look back and think because it is quite a remarkable uh journey? in terms of you did this show in 2018 and it was your debut show and now you've got and correct me if i'm wrong you've got six original tv shows and a podcast in development and now you're writing your first feature film for netflix which is due to be shoot due to shoot in, in summer of next year do you kind of when you hear that are you kind of like wow this is incredible or are you very much kind of like feet on the ground uh yeah, this is good, but we've got much greater and ambitions and, you know, this is just the start almost. Could you, I guess what I'm saying is, do you appreciate or have you appreciated the journey in terms of where you've got to in such a short period of time? I, when you ask that, I think there's a, there's a, there's a cynical part that's like, I know on some level, as soon as I get something, it over, immediately starts to feel like nothing. It's that thing where you're never satisfied. So I know if he's read that to me, in 2018, I would have been like, Phew. yeah. but it's funny because as it happens to you, you sort of, you see, it sounds good, but we know the reality of how many drafts that is and how, you know, I think someone said to us, it's only one in 10 shows that get optioned that actually mm-hmm. gets made. Yeah. So we That's have the that thing. It's like, you can have the celebration of like, we got it optioned. Yeah. And it's like, now's the hard part. You've got to try and get it made. Exactly. And so yes. I, it's like we both try not to go to that place where we're straight away like eh, jaded by things, yeah, but okay. you do get really quickly It's jaded. also that <laughs> we've become really aware now that a lot of the, the two, a couple of the projects that we have are really good. We really believe in the script. We think they're brilliant, but at this, someone somewhere else has had the same idea. Yes. And yes it has been executed and it's, it's, you know, it's on our screens and we've watched it and it's in my opinion, not as good, but okay. the idea has kind of already been done. Yeah. And so that kind of the reality of just people being a little bit further ahead than you yeah. executing the idea, not as well. It, it sometimes is just like, Oh, that's annoying. That's really you drop annoying. the idea then at that point, or will you persist with it thinking you can do it better? And so there's still yeah, a possibility of getting it made. Bell's talking about two ideas that we have under contract, so I don't think we can drop them. Okay. <laughs> so we'll just see. I wouldn't be surprised if they just peter out because if I were a commissioner, I'd be like, oh, that's in a similar box to this thing. So, yeah, yeah I think um, that might. But I think it is it is really good, and we do get excited by things. Every time we get an idea board or anything like that, mm-hmm. we do get excited, but you do then. It's one of those things that just it's like the highlights reel. When you read it all out, yeah. it sounds better than I think. Sometimes I'll think about, you know, I I cut I sort of like zoom back to me standing in the kitchen making toasties <laughs> and putting, you know, the requisite two the two slices of cheese, the salami, the rocket. <laughs> and I'm like, and then I look at my, my life now and I think, actually just take a moment. You're yeah. not you're not making the bloody salami toasty. Just enjoy it. Perfect. 
Hello, sorry to interrupt in the middle of this insightful conversation, which I'm enjoying, I'm sure, just as much as you are. But I need to give you guys a little reminder. Uh, If you like this conversation, this episode, if you like balancing acts in general, then please do subscribe to us, rate and review us because it makes the world of difference. And the more reviews we get, the more rates we get, the more people can discover the podcast and we can make it go viral, whatever that means. Okay, back to the chat. My mum does a lot of kind of mindfulness and she does this thing called taking in the good, which she's trying to teach me to do. And it's like you're programmed to just, you know, zone out the good and just take in the sort of the bad things and really fixate on them. So I just, yeah, as much as that was why I said there's two ways of answering it. There is sort of the, the jaded part that I think everyone gets because you can't and I think it's also because these things don't actually matter you think a tv getting a tv show commissioned or optioned by anyone will make you happy and it just doesn't and you couldn't have told me that if you told me that five years ago I would have said bullshit that'll make me happy like I know it'll make me happy that's Mm. it but it actually genuinely doesn't make you feel good day to day Mm. can't make you feel good (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I'm looking at you you don't make me feel good (laughs) yeah feel like we're it's sort of, sort of like it's a, a part kind of podcast interview but also it's turning into a bit of a therapy session for you both and uh you're yeah, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. well that's another thing that i you know therapy which i think is incredibly important um yes. as and it's been important for both of our sort of journeys and mental health um over the years i think it as a writer as well it's so important to just be aware of your psychological makeup, why you make certain decisions. And that all feeds into the writing sessions, I think. Yeah, and absolutely. It, it clarifies things. It, they, it, you know, when you think about characters and why they make certain decisions, you know, when you're in therapy, you can kind of, it's called psychology probably, but, you know, you can, you make those links um, much easier, I think. Yeah. 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 And I think that probably helps to create a more layered and three dimensional character. If you have more self awareness of of yourself and your own mind and thoughts and emotions. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Absolutely. And it is, it is expensive, but I think if it's worth, and you know, I've done it through the NHS, which is great because you can do it for free Mm. here. Um, And I think, yeah, even if you can, there's lots of low cost things and whatever the cost is, because it took me years to do it because I was like, oh, no, it's not worth, I can't spend that money. But I, it's the best thing to spend your money on you can mm. yeah it's just is the best thing for both our mental health yeah 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 it is a good return on investment that's for sure yeah so you you've got these relationships with different production companies and uh, projects in various stages of development how do you find the experience of working with different production companies do you find that they've got they've all got their own approaches and ways of doing things and are there some that you prefer more to more than others or is it all for you down to the personal relationship you've got with the producer and, and the team at those production companies no I'd say there's ones there's producers who we are close with and go for drinks with as friends yeah and then there's producers who we don't have as much of a friendly relationship with but who get the job done and I think it doesn't one the relationship doesn't dictate you know the amount of work they will do for a project but it is really lovely to work with someone who you do have that friendly relationship with. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. I mean, there, there have been sort of, yeah, I, I can, I can think of producers who I'm, I'm like, I don't think you, I would work with you again, just purely because 
I don't know. You sometimes you meet someone and you're like, wow, you really get it. You really, really get it. And that mm-hmm. is that is priceless in terms of if you know. I, I remember reading about like Jennifer Saunders finding John Plowman, and there are certain producers that, um, you know, work with writers and really understand their voice and really, really enhance um, their vision. And we've worked with I can think of one in particular who's really, really fantastic at that. And so everyone kind of pales in comparison because you're like, oh, I knew, I've, I've I've had that, and I know what that's like, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and they 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 yeah they improve the script. Um, they make suggestions which you're like. Coincidentally, oh. that producer is also a writer, and I think that is that, tends that to helps. Be, I've yeah. heard that before as well from from yeah. someone else. Yeah, because if you've done it yourself, and um, I think one one there's a there's a level of empathy there, isn't there? Because you mm. you can you've experienced what the writer's going through. You know how hard it is, and so there's mm. probably a certain delicate process in terms of feeding back you know, thoughts, et cetera. But, but two, yeah, you have a thorough understanding of the writing process. Yeah. And yeah. I think our other favorite person to work with is our agent and he's also a writer. So I think yeah. it's oh, like, really? oh, yeah, wow. he's great. And he gives notes and things. So I think we're really lucky because I know that's not everyone's experience, but yeah, he's wonderful. Yeah. That's great. And did you sign with your agent uh, after Edinburgh or when did, when did he come on board? Um, Jethro, we were with a different agent before Jethro, who's our agent. Um, yeah. He, so we were with an agency who weren't very good and didn't know we existed. I think we were very small fry yeah. at the time. Okay. We, you know, we, and there wasn't, I think what we, Claire and I really want with all of our relationships is a creative partnership um, yeah. and a collaboration. And it just felt like, you know, our first agent was there to do the contracts. And that is not particularly what we wanted. We wanted someone to bounce ideas off, to, you know, give us notes, challenge us, you know, blow smoke up our asses, all of that. <laughs> and we weren't getting anything from this agent. So we, yeah, and, and I think it was a year in, a year. Yeah. So a we year got in. that first agent um, after the 503 show. And then we got Jethro um, after uh, Edinburgh. No, actually we got Jethro after. So after the 503 show and then went to Edinburgh, we got It's Not Cute Anymore picked up for TV. We wrote our second idea, which is called Dodie, which is about my sister who's got Asperger's syndrome and it's a sitcom. And we wrote a few sample scenes on spec and a treatment. And then we sent that cold ourselves to a few different production companies. And one of them got back to us and picked it up. So that was, again, we had an agent at that point, but they weren't doing that sort of thing. So we emailed up again, guessing the emails, Mm. emailed them ourselves and we got it optioned. So I think, yeah, that was... Mm. It's, I, I think, lucky, but also it just happened to be that the producer we emailed was looking for a show with a character with Asperger's in it. So it was a lucky coincidence, but also the sample scenes and the treatment were good. So, yeah. <laughs> Great. Was was it hard? Did you find it hard to leave your original agent? Was there any sort of period of procrastination? It was the most oh awkward goodness. thing. So I was, I was at the cafe <laughs> making my sandwiches, being... <laughs> you know, head of food. And um, we had just left our agent. And would you believe it? She walked in and she walked into the cafe. She saw me. She ordered, I think, poached eggs. And I had orders coming in. I was like, you know, it was like orders were piling up, piling up, piling up. And she had the audacity to walk up to me and say, this is taking quite a long time. 
But she pretended not no. to know who you were as well. And she pretended not to know who was, I was. Maybe she didn't know who you were. Maybe, but maybe, <laughs> maybe she genuinely didn't. But I honestly... That's so weird. It was an absolute... You couldn't write it. Like, it was just... You've got to look, use that I, if you haven't already, surely. Oh, <laughs> we have to use it. But we it. also did that really female thing where we were like, oh, we don't want to offend anyone or upset her because we felt right. grateful that anyone had taken us on when all we had was a show at 5.03. And then we just kind of had to... We did a few emails kind of like, hey, we're not quite happy or, you know, what could we do more? Like, we want to get more out of this mm. relationship. So we had given some heads up. But mm. even then when we left, it was very awkward. Um, and it, the way it works is that your old agent, they still get money for that Dodi idea because they were our agent who did the contracts, even though we got the idea secured. So it's just, it was an awkward kind of breaking off because we had two contracts with them. Um, and it's already. also, it's awkward because it's so personal because yeah. they yeah. believed in you at the time sure. and thought sure. you were great. And we didn't have a lot. We, that was the only option we had at the time. So we felt, wow, you know, so they really see us and, and then now we're ditching them you know, which is just so awkward, but I think ultimately it is a business. Yeah. And I think we got, had our kind of, we had to, we had to sort of rip the plaster off and be like, come on, it's yeah. not working. Mm. Yeah. That makes, that makes sense. And um, you, Claire, you just touched upon the idea of being females in this industry and feeling like you, you don't want to offend anyone or that's how you felt at that time. Was that a difficult sort of feeling to shake off? And and if so, how did you sort of step out of that zone to have more confidence in, in yourselves as females working in the, in the entertainment industry? Well, I think Belle is very good at just being direct and bullish. So I tend okay. to just get Belle, send Belle in. That's great. <laughs> but I great. think good I cop, have bad like- cop. Yeah, good cop, bad cop. Yeah, yeah. Like, like good, like bad cop and snake. Just like I'm someone else's snake. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I mean, I don't know where she gets those ideas <laughs> coming in afterwards. <laughs> but no, I think um, it is, you do sort of just, it's, it's just little things, like even just saying just, just just checking in, just just being like, just start saying I'm checking in. It's just so, right. it's just language and the, you know, the cliche one, but it is true. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So just kind of catching those words and yeah. And even just like, I still feel bad a lot of the time when I shouldn't, but I just do it anyway. I right. just feel bad. <laughs> Is that good advice? <laughs> you know, no, I, I know. I was literally thinking as you're saying that. I say just. I say I'm just. I'm just and I notice when I do it sometimes, and I'm like, no, you don't need to I do think that. It comes, it comes from being really, really grateful because yeah. you because yeah. creatives yeah. and artists have had to do free work to nobody a lot of the time when you just start out, and so when someone notices you, you are you are very grateful, and you don't want to take up too much of their time because mm. you think, oh, you know, oh, I. I you know, my little thing. No, it's not. It, oh, you've got much bigger fish to fry. You know, oh, I'm, but then you just learn to make. You know, take up more space because as soon as you start to take up more space, people start to notice you more. So, and look at how the people who are writing to you. I might say just to you because you'd say it to me. You know, we're just having a friendly chat. But when your producers are emailing you and saying, "What well, you know, wanting to know what the next draft is. This is our plan." Just mirror the like. Just be direct back because yeah. that's. I think yeah, it's just taking that cue because. It's when you're there being like, thank you so much and stuff. You just start to feel like a little bitch, really. You know, yeah. it's just like, come on, let's, let's, let's meet you where you are because, and it's that thing you just have to genuinely believe you are the talent and yeah. they, you're helping them as much as they're helping you. Um, so yeah. yeah. That's faking great advice. It really good because, yeah. It's not, it still feels really bad a lot of the time because my go-to thing is to just be quite 
polite and to butter everything up, but you just have to just, yeah, get over it, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's um, the beauty about your your sort of working relationship that you can sort of, you have no airs or graces, I imagine, between you both. You're at a point <laughs> where you've been working together so long, it's like, there's no just. No. No. Yeah, no. No, 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 no. I think at the beginning, there were there was a lot of just and tiptoeing and kind of, it, it, you know, would it be, you know, all of this kind of language that we've been talking about. And I think as soon as you become direct, you can trust the other person because, you know, like, I don't have to second guess what that person's saying, mm-hmm. you know? So if there there's a day now where I've had a terrible night's sleep because my baby's been up five times in the night, I just say, I'm tired. I don't want to work mm-hmm. today. Instead of, you know, maybe before I've been, I'd been like, would it be possible if we possibly rearranged? I'm really, right. all, you know, yeah. just yeah. kind of, yeah. and it's like, just be direct because yeah. the yeah. other person will inevitably be thankful that mm-hmm. you've just you and know. it helps other people if you put up boundaries it doesn't help anyone if you're there saying yes 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 and then it's like because then if Belle was like oh just you know no pressure and then you have all these kinds of things you say no pressure at all if it's only if it's okay and it's just like yeah. then everyone's not sure what they want to do because it's like are we yes. all doing this to be polite or does any like what does anyone actually want to do you yes. know so it's just yeah just sort of point. being direct is it, it feels weirdly rude but it's actually just like just a normal way to speak <laughs> you're not being rude you're just saying what you want mm-hmm. you know yeah. yeah yeah in terms of looking forward into your career do you have aspirations outside of writing because one of the challenges is you spend all this time on your your idea it's your baby and then let's say you, it does get made and suddenly you've got to put a lot of trust into the director who's going to have their own vision in terms of interpreting you know, your, your, this project, these, these, this world, these characters that you've been working on for, for a, long, a lot longer than they have. Ideally, would you like to be in a position where you can also direct your own, your own scripts going forward? And if so, how will you go about trying to do that? Yeah, we absolutely want to direct. I think we've talked, we kind of came to that realization quite late, maybe last year okay. that we want to direct um, because we, we didn't, understand that what we the way we write is already directing i think both of yes, us thought very directing, visual yeah and a director is a man a man who stands with the camera and yeah. knows what it's called and knows which lens and it's very yeah. technical and we just didn't think that it was but then having spoken to people who direct it's world building it's just you get to say i want the lights to be more green and then someone knows makes them green you, i don't need to tell you which filter or lens or whatever it is yeah. i think it's it, it's keeping as much creative control as possible mm. yeah. because i think the pro, you know things that i've watched the thing the the, mo, the the moment someone you know seeds creative control it it becomes less focused and it becomes less interesting so yeah. i think if you've got one if if claire and i can you know direct our stuff in the future i think that would only be a good thing and only yeah and we're not sure if it's co-directing or what the term yeah. is but we both whatever it is it's our vision that we want to be able to carry out yep. we haven't met anyone who director wise if you're out there amazing please i want to meet you but we haven't met any one who would be can see into our minds as much as we can see into each other's i think yes. yeah yeah exactly and i think when we look at the writer the directors we like they're, they're the ones who are writing their own stuff and i think someone like jordan peele is amazing because his career mm. went just just not in the direction you'd expect from you know a kind of a sketch show performer and then the writer and director and i that's yeah. what we want to be able to have that kind of authorship 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's a level of freedom, isn't it? To not be mm-hmm. pigeonholed. And if you want to just jump yeah. into a different genre, you can just do it. No questions asked. We always love people who've had nuts paths because I yeah. think our paths are not, not that nuts, but you know, pastry, you know, toasty chef isn't normal either. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's like someone, I think it was Mike White from White Lotus did yes. like reality show and like celebrity survive like people who just do weird things and take time to just do different things and that's for me always more inspiring than someone who did it the right way went to you know footlights edinburgh all that because i'm like well it's too late now (laughs) i can't do that so what's the what's the not so way of getting in yeah and that's always yeah and and gives you that sort of more of a unique uh voice and perspective Mm -hmm. um okay so we've covered we've covered a lot of career and, and and work stuff what do you both do outside of your work both uh, i mean you could be together or individually to relax and unwind and take your mind off writing mm, well i have a not so <laughs> characteristically not so story about us where we were trying we we during lockdown before lockdown as well we decided that we weren't doing enough exercise and that exercise was meant to relax our mind and you know it, we were like the more exercise we do it'll, our writing will be better so we both got fitbits and ended up just circling both of our properties just like <laughs> circling and circling trying to get just trying to relax no, it's because we, it's because we combined the fitbit with the pomodoro technique so at the same time we discovered fitbit we discovered the pomodoro which is the tomato technique where you do 25 minutes of writing and then five minutes break so this timer oh, yeah. would ding and then we'd get up and essentially do laps of the house and then sit back down again and like just weird machines yeah. that no one wanted to work with um so it was this really and i think me in particular I'm a very much like perfectionist control like do it the right way and I think that with the Fitbit things where you can have measurable stats is not good for me because it's like something to really fixate on yes yes um, did, it work that, did, did it work for you the, the Pomodoro effect <sighs> I think it became so um regimented yeah that we felt very uncreative yeah. you know we'd be in the middle of a thought and then the timer would ding and we'd both <laughs> stand up like bloody soldiers and start you know walking around and then planking as well yeah for, for a while we, we did start, the plank <laughs> you know and we do like five minute meditation we you know there's a way of yeah. making yeah. self-care just another thing yeah. to do yeah and another yes. you know thing to yeah. beat yeah. yourself up with yeah so I don't really know. I mean, I, now I do. I Every morning I walk. I walk, live next to a park and I just walk around the park and I've done that for about a year. And I didn't used to get, before I got fit, but I was probably getting like 300 steps a day. Okay. And so I didn't realise how little I moved. So now I just, now I just build it into my day. I don't measure it, but I just do, you know, every morning I do a walk and then I do one in the evening as well. And that's kind of the best. And I come up with a lot of ideas as well when I'm walking. Yeah. I think if I've just finished writing and I go on a walk and I'm thinking about what I'm writing, inevitably stuff will come into my head yeah. because it's kind of in a relaxed state. Um, will you record them into your phone or just write them down straight away so you don't forget them? Yeah, yeah, I do. Otherwise I will definitely forget. Yeah. So I have so many notes, yeah. so many notes. Randomly titled I, voice I, notes. Oh, I see. I can't, I don't think I could be bothered to listen to myself back. I'd be like, hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. I, I'm the same. I've literally, I've got hundreds yeah. of voice notes and I never listen to them back. I do them once, maybe every six months. It's like the download things. I just build them up and I build them up and then eventually I'll just listen to them. And then I have no idea what they relate to because it was like, I recorded this thing six months ago. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. I, I, I listen to podcasts on double speed, which is, that's insane. Do you? I, mean, yeah. I did the, op- I did the wow. opposite of you where I now 
I mean, I'm not, I don't think about things. I don't think about our writing particularly that much outside of work, but okay. I have now started such a cliche. I've started cold water swimming and I find that so it just good. wipes my brain, Yes, which is sometimes what you need. Well, I guess it's like, you know, clearing meditation. Downloads. Yeah. <laughs> clearing my downloads. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. that, you know, especially now like the water temperature is like eight degrees. It really just, you can't think of also, it's anything. Really humiliating because that's the Stoke Newington reservoir which is literally next to my house and Belle comes here and does it then comes to my house and I, <laughs> like I really feel like I should be in the water but I just can't bear it it's too cold so you're doing that at the moment are you still swimming there at the moment Belle yeah yeah I've, I've made a commitment you. to myself where I have to I can quit but I cannot quit in the winter no wetsuit so no wetsuit no that's hard so I come out looking like a lobster <laughs> because my skin is like on fire yeah um but there is a real camaraderie with the other mostly women in their seventies who, you know, I wear like little neoprene booties and gloves. They yeah, just go, they go hardcore, don't they? they hardcore, it's the elixir yeah. of youth. It's the same in Hampstead Heath. Cause I was yeah. doing it to train for a triathlon, but I mean, I was doing it in summertime. I would occasionally go when it got a bit colder. I was going to Hampstead Heath and get colder. And even if you go in for like 30 seconds, cause I do, I do the cold shower thing every morning. And, do you? Yeah. And I'm only in there for like a minute max, but, it's just, I'll wake up sometimes, you know, so, you know, it's like sometimes you wake up and it's just sort of a deep sigh. It's like, I really can't be bothered for today to happen, you know? Yeah. And then yeah, you've got the feeling yeah. of heaviness. And then I just step into the shower and as soon as the cold water hits me, it's all just wiped off and oh I feel great. God. I'm going to do that. I could do mm. that. Mm. I, it's also the slime in the reservoir that I don't want to think <laughs> yeah. Not that much slime. I think it, yeah, no, there isn't like... slime there. There's more, there's more of that in Hampstead Heath than, yeah, uh, okay. than the reservoir. But, yeah. Wait, so do you, is a minute in the shower enough to go numb, your skin to go numb? or is uh, still No, I mean, I'm sort of wimping out a little bit. For me, it's more of the feeling, you know, it wakes me up and mm. I just I just feel good. I feel good after. That's why I do it. Or after right. I do it, I do it if, I, if I've had a workout. If I were to had a workout and I'm a bit sweaty hot, it's just like the ideal thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and, and meditation, you touched upon that, Claire. Is that something that you're trying to do regularly, either of you? Yeah. I mean, I've had the mindfulness app. I've had the Calm yeah. app. I, <laughs> yeah. don't, I don't have to have like an, another one with, I don't know, if it's, they're all nuts names, but I've, every time I do it, I love it. And then I just don't do it. Yeah. So just riddle me that. I don't know. Can't tell you why, but it does really help every time I do it, but I never do it. <laughs> so there's no, I just need to build in a better kind of, habit I guess yeah. I don't know how to habit build for that one I just one. start to resent it because it's just another thing that I have to do in the morning we yeah. both tried tm as well I think around oh, yeah. this nuts period we both did add a tm to the mix right. you to, do you have to pay for your own sort of affirmation no we we just found a free one online oh, um, great. okay which probably again why it didn't you know didn't necessarily work but <laughs> we, we just did that and it, I think I felt something once or twice I remember David Lynch that's what, again, and I was doing it in a calculated way because David Lynch did Transcendental Meditation and said it's where all his good ideas came from. Yeah. So maybe I went into it being like, this is good for my career. Yes, which yes, is yes. Why am I doing Transcendental Meditation? Yeah. And then was disappointed. Um, but yeah, that was interesting to do. But again, that was you have to sit for half an hour every morning. And it's like between the cold shower, the open water swimming, you know, when you're going to start till it? midday. Yeah. 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 Fine. That's what I find. I, I do, I've got this whole morning routine. When I'm in the zone, it's this big morning routine. And I, just, yeah. I look at my I look at my watch and I sort of the day's nearly finished. I feel yeah. great, but I haven't I haven't achieved anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you're ready to. Yeah, I'm ready to. Yeah, that's the main thing. 
Yeah. Are there any books that spring to mind that um, you either of you have read that have had an, a big impact on your lives in some shape or form? Both Claire and I read okay. um, Viv Albertine's book, Clothes, 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 Music, 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 Boys, Boys, Boys. Okay. And she was in um, a punk band in the 70s okay. called The Slits. And the the book is is just about uh, her journey in the music industry, her how she became a punk, all of this stuff. And it was just the most, it's the most inspiring book I've read because I think both Claire and I are very perfectionist. Yeah. And the whole point of punk is that, you know, you don't know how to play a guitar, but you just get up on stage and do it anyway right. and see what comes of it. And I think that attitude really informed a lot of, it, it just helped. Yeah, it, it just made us less scared. We I read think. around the same time we decided to put on the show. I think it was like, and we'd reference that as like, you know, you can just do it. We don't have to have it exactly right. And I think, it, it, yeah, we've re- we reread it a few times, both of us. And I I feel like I've read books like um, Twilight Tharp, The Creative Habit, or Julia Cameron, The Artist's Way, like these books about creativity. And they yeah. do give me a little boost for a little while. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll remember some of the things, but then it fades away. And I think yeah. the ones that are, that stick with you are kind of people's stories who you can keep going back to and be like that person. I want to be, it's easy to be like, I want to be like that person that I want to do this mimic yes. this habit or something. So yeah, I think things like, you know, just kids, Patty Smith, any, any memoirs from people who we admire. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's both musicians, those ones. So it doesn't have to even be a writer, just creatives who you admire talking about their journeys is tends to be 10 times more inspiring than people telling you how to be creative. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I totally agree with that. And that's interesting you say that because Earlier on, you were talking about, um, you know, writing, it's not cute anymore. And one of one of the things you said was, is that, it, you know, it felt like the punk, the punk thing to do. Mm. So that kind for of- us, who are very, you know, <laughs> yeah. we're not, for us. Yeah. Um, it probably, yeah. you know, I think, but, you know, ultimately, I think talking about the female aspect of things, both Claire and I are essentially very good girls who want an A star. Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. you know, when you take a, your debut show to Edinburgh, you are not going to get that because yeah. chances are you've, you've got to fail. You've got to understand um, how to improve. You're not going to get everything right. And I think that is that was so scary for us. Um, and I think reading Viv Albertine's book was just someone saying, giving you permission and saying, go and do it because yeah. um, to, to fail is, is, is almost a win in a way because yeah. you we'll learn. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 And it was so outside of our personalities to risk that much. I think being performing in it as well, every, every afternoon. Yeah, we'd, be, we'd be in the wings, like whispering to each other, we're punk, we're punk. And we, we were not, Love punk. we would like let the record show we were not punk, but that was, we roughly, that was the, when we were saying that we were referencing that book, like that book yeah. for both of us was just like a really, yeah. Inspiring story, I guess. So yeah, that one for sure. Well, I mean, look, you you sort of created your own path and it seems to be working out. So it served its purpose for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Thanks. final question I'm going to ask you both is what does the idea of balance mean to you or not? I think it's for me, it means taking, yeah, being aware of the good because my instinct is to go to the bad straight away or to just become very um com- desensitized to good things happening and just be like yep this is normal now and I think as soon as you start to 
tra- train your mind to recognize what's good when it's happening, you'll feel more balanced because you'll just feel grateful. It's that it's gratitude as well, I guess, is what it is. Having gratitude every day makes you feel good and happy. And it's so easy to not notice those things. So yeah, I think gratitude and being aware of the good and looking for the good, not just being aware. It's like you have to look even little things like it's really nice to be able to go out right now because it's autumn leaves. And I know that sounds a bit naff, but to be like, Mm. I like autumn leaves. It's autumn now. That's nice. You know? And then that's like just every day to have like, just to actively just not take anything for granted. And then you'll feel happier. Mm. Yeah. I think at the beginning of our careers, I was of the belief that we had to write exclusively until we were almost burnt out because Mm -hmm. that meant that you know I was putting all my eggs in one basket it had to be everything writing was everything and at the time it really was because I had nothing you know no one had seen anything of my any of my work um I didn't have an agent no, no shows were optioned um and now I think if I continued down that path I would just feel completely burnt out and mm. probably would probably hate it and I used to not go to certain events. I used to believe that, you know, no, you shouldn't go out tonight and see your friends or you shouldn't go out to those birthday drinks because you need to be really good for writing the next day. When actually go to the birthday drinks, see your friends, because that's where the stories are as well. And that will feed into your writing. So I think I used to think I had to be like a Trappist monk. And now I am much more fluid and much, I, I'm, I'm just more fun. I think. Yeah. Yeah. You know, both. And you used to be, able, I used to have kind of be a bit of a martyr about that kind of stuff as well. Like, well, I'm going to, you know, sit here until 5 PM, even though I'm miserable and no good ideas are coming out because we work till 5 PM yeah. and that's it. And it's it just, just go home at three or put on a movie, like put on Hocus Pocus. If you know, it's autumn again. And just put on Hocus Pocus and watch that because you'll be inspired to write something that you like based on that and rather than just sit there and beat yourself up until you come out with something you know so yeah just seeing work seeing play as part of work as a creative person understanding that you can you have to sit you have to have those periods of idleness and faffing around Mm. because that's where the ideas come from I think that's a, yeah, that's a super important message and uh, a lovely place to wrap things up. Where can people find out about what you are both up to? You seem to be very low key on social media, unless you're going under a different pseudonym that I don't know about. No, this is maybe again, balancing us. Neither of us use social media. Good for you. Have you, have you, have you never, or have you, is that something you've just sort of decided upon as of late? No, we did for a while. I think we really felt like, oh, we, you know, when we were, at Edinburgh, we use social media to publicize our show. And, um, you know, I think we had a Twitter to kind of retweet nice, um, you know, not criticism, nice reviews. We block the critics. Um, but I just think it was, it, it just sucked up our time and what it, you know, the time should be spent writing or talking to actual people it made me feel bad as well yeah it just made yeah. me feel bad social media so we yeah deleted it a few years ago and mm. I, people always say you need to use it as a tool until you don't need to use it anymore 
well, we're here <laughs> to try the way we don't use it at all. And then when you need to use it, you don't need to use it still. So you haven't used it ever. So that's our <laughs> mad path. But I think honestly, like it, I feel like as a writer as well, it's really hard. Like if I was a visual artist, I had something more to show, it would make yeah. more sense. Yes. But maybe that's what Twitter is for. But again, I'm not trying to get booked as on my personality, but I do know people who've used it really well. So it's a, we, we probably are missing out on some things, but I think the trade-off is that it just, yeah, it just sucked up my energy and made me feel every time I opened it, it would just make me feel panicked and just judge myself because that's what you're doing. You're saying, is this funny? Is this not? Do you like me? Do you not? And you just kind yeah, of. that that eternal thing you're, you're judging, you're, you're basing, you know, you're, what is it? You're judging the internal you're judging the external of you're comparing your internal life to other people's external external. lives yes yes yeah 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 Yeah. Mm. i mean it sounds from from what you guys say is that you you see you both know each other really well and you both you know worked on yourselves and so you know yourselves very well and trust your intuition and gut feel and that seems to have really helped you along your path to get to where you are right now and i think that's really inspiring thank you Yeah. yeah But, you know, there's no follow-up from this podcast. This is it. Take it or leave it. You can't find There's nothing. There's no other social media. Mm. We go off the grid again. Okay. <laughs> we go back into Great. the dark. This is, this is an exclusive <laughs> for Balancing Acts, so I'm happy yeah. with that. Belle and Claire, so lovely speaking to you both. Thank you so much for your time. Oh, thanks, Steve. It was Thank so you. nice. Perfect. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.